listening to Gleanings, the monthly newsletter from Strategies at Work, podcast edition, February 1st, 2014. Upcoming events. The Strategic Life Alignment Seminar. Struggling to find meaning, purpose, and satisfaction in life? The Strategic Life Alignment Seminar will equip you with tools and a methodology for discerning your divinely ordained life purpose. The next seminar will be in 2014. See the website strategieswork.com for details. The Strategic Life Alignment Alumni Event. The SLA Alumni Event is exclusively for alumni of the SLA Seminar and is designed to accelerate the process of discovering your life purpose. The topic for the 2014 Alumni Event will be character. The event will be held June 20th through 21st in Dallas, Texas. If you would like a recording of prior events, please check the website strategieswork.com for details. The Business Transformation Series Seminar. The next BTS seminar will be presented April 25, 2014. The topic will be Business as Mission. The BTS seminars provide in-depth teaching on how to lead, manage, and build organizations biblically according to the Beyond Babel model presented in Dr. Chester's book, Beyond Babel. You can purchase recordings of prior BTS seminars at the website strategieswork.com. These are challenging economic times. There is much fear in the world. Now more than ever, people need to understand the power of building their lives on Christ. Only faith in Christ can provide sustained victory over fear. If you need help learning how to walk with Christ, Strategies at Work has consultants in various parts of the world. Please see the website strategieswork.com for more information. And now, Dr. Chester brings us the message titled, Billy's Conundrum. In last month's gleanings, I began sharing Billy's story. I presented some key principles that Billy employed to find and fulfill his life purpose. This month, I want to continue Billy's story by sharing more about Billy's conundrum. After Billy came to Christ, he was faced with a career conundrum. As a genuine Christian, could he continue his career as a public servant in a pseudo-Christian culture? Prior to becoming a genuine Christian, Billy was a young public official and a pseudo-Christian who lived in a place and during a time when Christianity was largely defined by the culture. In contrast to cultural Christianity, genuine Christianity is defined by Christ and the most complete revelation of Christ is found in the scripture. Those who embraced genuine Christianity were considered fanatics and generally outcasts of society in those days. There were many differences between cultural Christianity and genuine Christianity of that time. For example, the nature of man. Culturally, Christians were considered to be not depraved. In fact, everyone was considered to be not depraved, whereas genuine Christianity considered everyone to be depraved. How about the basis for man's acceptance by God? Cultural Christianity said, just do good works. Genuine Christianity said, Christ's work alone on the cross was sufficient. How about the ethics? Cultural Christianity said, each person gets to define his own ethics. Genuine Christianity says, Christ alone defines the ethics. And the purpose of life. For cultural Christians, it was man's will performed according to man's ways. For genuine Christians, it would be God's will performed according to God's ways. The difference between the two views can be summarized quite simply. 
Cultural Christianity was man-centric. Genuine Christianity was Christ-centric. Billy was exposed to genuine Christianity as a young boy, but his mother, a cultural Christian, worked hard to eradicate any such influence that Billy received. Her goal was for Billy to be socially accepted, and therefore cultural Christianity was a requirement. Because of the reality of human depravity, her efforts were efficacious. During Billy's college career, his grandfather and uncle died, leaving him, Billy a large inheritance, making him independently wealthy. Consequently, he lost interest in his studies and turned to a life of hedonistic pleasure, which was consistent with cultural Christianity. Though Billy indulged in hedonistic pleasures, he was intrigued by public life. He was so enamored with public life that he ran for office and was elected before completing college. The first four years of Billy's public service were spent pursuing hedonistic pleasures. He gambled, drank, and womanized. In addition to his engaging personality, he entertained people with his singing and his oration prowess. His popularity was undeniable, and his influence grew with alacrity. At age 25, Billy took an extended vacation. Since he was not yet married, he found a suitable companion in Isaac Milner, the brother of the headmaster of Billy's childhood private school. Isaac was older than Billy and an accomplished scholar. Billy was delighted that Isaac agreed to travel with him and looked forward to much stimulating conversation. Very early in the trip, Isaac introduced theology as a conversation topic. Though surprised, Billy engaged. He presented his objections to Christ, the Bible, and Christianity. Surprisingly, Isaac was able to deftly handle each one. By the end of the trip, Billy knew that he had no basis for denying the reality and the truthfulness of Christ, the Bible, and Christianity. Deep down in his heart, Billy knew that he had become a genuine Christian. Consequently, his philosophy, values, principles, and practices would have to change. But what about his political career? Could Billy serve God and remain a public official? After all, he had been elected to public office in part because he was a cultural Christian. Tormented by the question of his calling, Billy sought help. He contacted an old childhood friend named John. As a young lad, Billy had been exposed to genuine Christianity when he met John, a wise, mature man in the Lord. John had taken an interest in Billy, which Billy remembered. Billy contacted John and set up an appointment. When they met, Billy presented his conundrum. Could he serve God as a public official, and was this his calling? John responded with wisdom. He noted that God called people to all kinds of vocations. Certainly one would expect God to call some people to public service, given all that John knew of Billy. He believed that Billy was called to public service. While this was comforting, Billy still did not know exactly what he was called to do. So he began to search more specifically to discern his calling. Over time, he began to see that he was called to champion two issues, both of which were intended to change the culture of his day. His first call was to apologetics. Cultural Christianity so distorted the truth about Christ that common views of professing Christians of his time were no more than simply man-centered popular cultural opinions. He felt called to write a book which articulated a well-developed biblical understanding of genuine Christianity. In this book, Billy expressed a profound biblical understanding of reality. 
God, man, sin, depravity, grace, salvation, Christ, sanctification, etc. He wrote with the skill and clarity of a seasoned Bible scholar. Yet when he wrote the book, he had been a Christian for less than 15 years. How could a young man produce such a clear, compelling, cogent presentation of biblical truth? My conjecture is that Billy was under the intentional and intense tutelage of godly spiritual fathers. His second call was to align public policy with scripture. Billy believed that a biblical worldview was required to make wise public policy. In particular, Billy was drawn to fight a business practice that was both ubiquitous and economically profitable, but one that was not aligned with a biblical worldview. Given the popularity and profitability of the practice, however, the task of legally challenging and legally changing a public policy like this to prohibit it was daunting. Why would anyone challenge this practice? Anyone who dared oppose this practice would most certainly put his life at risk and his family's life at risk. The reason that Billy chose to crusade for the abolition of this practice was because after receiving counsel from godly spiritual fathers, he felt called to the assignment. Hopefully you can see the commonality between these two assignments or callings. In addition to mandates to change the culture of his day, both assignments required godly spiritual fathers in his life. These godly men were the key to direct and embolden Billy to do what he was called to do and to do it well. May I suggest that this is a picture of reality. That is how God designed the universe to work. For anyone to find and fulfill his or her life purpose, that person needs guidance and encouragement from godly spiritual fathers. In addition, one needs patience. Both of Billy's callings took long periods of time. His first call to write the book took perhaps 10 to 15 years to accomplish, and his second calling took nearly 50 years. And coupled to patience, one needs endurance. Billy's second call required the rest of his life and beyond. He did live to see the calling fulfilled, but due to health issues during the last decade of his life, the assignment was completed by his spiritual sons. This is a picture of multi-generational living, that is, receiving vision from spiritual fathers, living obedient to the vision, and passing the vision on to spiritual sons. Multi-generational living is a key perspective for all of us who want to do the will of God according to the ways of God. Finding your calling is a lifelong process with many phases and challenges. And like Billy, expects to face conundrums. To overcome the conundrums requires multi-generational living, patience, perseverance, endurance, provision, guidance, direction, and discipleship. All of these are available if you're willing to die to self and singularly serve the will of God. May he give you the grace to live accordingly. <laughs>